0: This is the FS Tech Podcast. Welcome to the FS Tech Podcast. I'm Will McCurdy, content editor of FS Tech, and today we're going to take a look at how FSI is reducing downtime by improving the visibility of their networks and applications. Banks are under immense pressure to undergo rapid transformation and roll out innovative new products and services at the same pace as their competitors, while at the same time ensuring the high-quality customer experiences which customers now expect. Attempting large-scale digital transformation in a short period of time always carries a degree of risk when it comes to operational continuity, with some FSIs left counting the devastating cost of IT failures and data breaches to their reputation, compliance, and the bottom line. This situation has only been made more difficult by the fact that many FSIs are simultaneously attempting to undergo migrations to the cloud while also carrying years of accumulated legacy infrastructure at a time when employees are working from home, which can make visibility across all their networks and applications an almost impossible task. All these factors combine to mean that when a system fails was brought down by malicious actors, the process of establishing root cause and ensuring full recovery be excruciatingly slow, with the impact and consumer trust reverberating well beyond the weekly news cycle. As a result, many emphasize exploring the potential of application performance monitoring to ensure full visibility of systems in the face of an ever-changing risk landscape. To delve further into these challenges, as well as some possible solutions, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Philip Gervasi, Senior Technical Evangelist at Riverbed.
1: I will. Great to be here today. I'm also delighted. It's really great to meet with you and talk about uh, visibility uh, and how we, how we help financial services organizations, especially um, you know, meet the demand of how things are changing in recent days. So, really great to be here, Will.
0: Oh, no. Thank, thanks for joining us. So, um, let's jump into the first question. Great what potential risk factors are these seeing for FSIs rolling out new products and services and how have these
1: evolved in the past
0: 12 months
1: oh, William that's a, that's a great question this last year really has been all about enabling that new work from anywhere model I think that we were headed there anyway that's a big part of the way people were going with how they they got their jobs done but the last year has certainly expedited that. Uh, that shift for sure. But wrapped up with that was, it felt like an increased urgency to get services, applications off premises and then into the cloud, whether that's public cloud or by utilizing a SaaS provider. And that was a big part um, of how applications and services were being rolled out, especially for financial services organizations. But that does open the door for performance degradation. It opens the door even for new attack vectors and if you think about a new service being delivered down to end users or, or maybe out to customers, and on the back end, you have servers in one cloud, you have servers in a different cloud, which is very common now, we call that multi-cloud. That means for that application to work traffic goes from an end user out to the cloud, from that cloud provider to a different cloud provider. There's a bunch of back and forth going on. And you can imagine we're introducing latency problems, additional hops. And now with that data in motion and at rest in various locations, we increase The, uh, the, the attack vectors, the the possibility for things like a man in the middle attack, for example, or even a denial of service uh, potential. And so uh, these, these risks and these, uh, these things have kind of progressed over this past year as uh, the work from anywhere model has expanded and we've had no decrease in the, uh, the urgency and the desire to move to a, uh, to a cloud model of application delivery.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, IT has progressed so far in the past year when it comes to remote working. But cyber criminals and their ability to take advantage of these new attack vectors has progressed just as quickly. And it's causing absolutely no end of problems for the FSIs that we're speaking to. So, something else I wanted to touch on. Many FSIs are currently undergoing cloud migrations. How can FSIs ensure this transition does not end up causing downtime?
1: Mm, That's a good question. Cloud migrations are kind of a tricky thing. It's not like years ago when we did a simple P2V, a physical to virtual migration. Migrating to the cloud is a lot more than just moving some files from your on-prem file servers to some file servers out in AWS or Azure. It's much more than that. Migrating to the cloud... It means hosting business critical data, uh, maybe that's an application, a service, whatever, out of an environment that you don't own. So you don't have that same level of systems and network checks that you would with an on-premises private data center. You don't have the same control of quality of service over what paths your traffic will take. Migrating to the cloud is, it's still very compelling, don't get me wrong. And the good usually outweighs the bad for sure, but there are risks to downtime and just poor performance that a financial services organization, really any organization has to consider. So when it comes to preventing downtime during the transition, it's all about the planning. So that's migration strategy, understanding exactly how an application operates already in your on-premises data center and on your networks how your certificates are deployed and managed, where your network translations take place, what your attack vectors are, all of those things. You need to know them now and then planning the migration of data to an environment or or possibly multiple environments that you don't even own. So that visibility will give you the the foundation, if you will, for the strategy that's absolutely necessary to migrate business applications without just taking everything down for a month. That would be great if we could do that. That's not possible and that's the key, knowing exactly what's going on right now, situational awareness, network awareness, and then planning each step accordingly. So if you have some banking application that's been on-prem for years, it probably has a front end of web servers, maybe some load balancers in front of them, and they rely on separate separate backend database servers, and then you know there'll be some firewalls in the path. You might have high bandwidth dedicated network connections, probably some sort of quality of service configuration, and then like the old saying goes, one is none, two is one. So we also build in redundancy, fault tolerance, all into these systems. We build in methods for automatic failover backups, all that sort of thing. There's a lot going on here. And any one of those pieces can lead to a major performance degradation or a hard down situation, any one of them. It's not just the big fancy things that we care about. It's it's really all the minutiae of what makes these systems so interrelated. And that's all visibility. Like I said, situational awareness, network awareness, knowing your baselines and then being able to plan, plan for capacity. So how much storage, how much bandwidth that you need out in the cloud, in between clouds. Maybe you need a bandwidth upgrade in your data centers or branch offices, just so you can get that data to the cloud in a reasonable time. Sizing your new virtual servers, your container environments. How are you going to propagate DNS? How are you going to perform network translation? How are you going to handle certificates? All of those small individual pieces all fit together into the overall picture. And that's what we need, visibility into that complex web. That's what forms the foundation of a successful migration. And that's what's gonna inform your strategy. The before, the after, and then just as importantly, during the migration. Those are all vital to ensuring those applications don't skip a beat. So we've been talking to a lot of financial
0: services institutions over the past year about their journey to the cloud. And um, they're always keen to highlight the benefits, but another thing they're keen to highlight and there's such a huge amount of factors that come into play. And a lot of the time it's things you would not initially be aware of and risk factors that wouldn't spring to mind when you um, first would start considering migration. So moving on from that, most FSIs are set to deploy a hybrid working model soon how can these organizations ensure full visibility across a distributed workforce?
1: Yeah, that's a good question too. The new hybrid model, honestly, I don't think it's as new as I think we make it out to be. As I said earlier, we've been doing this already for years. Now I work in IT, so I've been working from home for years and I've been aware of this migration to the cloud for years. But what's new is just the sheer volume of work from home, work from anywhere that we see today, obviously caused by you know events over the past year. So we've always had this small hybrid environment, but now we need to make that sort of the main philosophy of our working model rather than sort of the one-off. And one of the problems we have with the hybrid model is having that distributed environment, as you said. So that means servers and infrastructure in general, in your own data centers and public clouds delivered by SaaS providers, that's very important and so on. So it means having your end users working pretty much from anywhere they have an internet connection and then going to the cloud which again, could be anywhere. We're introducing network paths that a financial services organization doesn't own. We're obviously introducing new security risks with everyone working from their living room or a random coffee shop, I'm at my home right now. So we need to start looking at visibility as more of an end-to-end story. And that means an end-to-end story that goes from the client computer, wherever it is, all the way to the cloud. And that means having uh, visibility tools that can see what's going on with an application's performance right on the computer. So that would be things like testing page loads, connection setup time. But it also means being able to track those same things, those same metrics from from the network devices and servers that deliver that application. Now we've been able to do that to an extent for a time, but we need to be able to do that with our cloud resources. And now we need to be able to see everything in the path in between. It's not just somebody sitting in a cubicle and then the servers are down the hall. So to answer your question kind of directly, a financial services organization moving to a hybrid model needs to be thinking end-to-end, focused very much on the actual client itself, the cloud services, wherever those services live, and the path in between. So without true end-to-end visibility, you're missing so much of the picture. You're seeing only one small part. And like I said, that may have been enough in years past when it was a person sitting in a cubicle and they were accessing a server down the hall, but it just isn't the environment that we live in anymore.
0: So, from the conversations I've been having over the past year with financial institutions, ensuring visibility always comes up as a key point of focus. But as there are so many different factors pushing IT infrastructures towards increased complexity and towards becoming increasingly distributed, um, it definitely seems to be something that's becoming massively more difficult than it was in nest of year. So just moving on to the next question, how are FSI's using automated technologies to minimize downtime and
1: accelerate recovery? Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. I've been a network engineer for so many years and then working with system engineers and security engineers. So this question is near and dear to my heart. I appreciate the value that automation can bring to uh, IT operations right where the rubber meets the road. And that's really it. We want to improve IT operations as much as we can. The human element, in my experience, is often the real issue here. Finding out the root cause of a problem. Sometimes just being being aware that there's a problem in the first place. Those are all operations problems, people problems. And we want to automate as many tasks and workflows as we can to speed up that time it takes to find the root cause, possibly to a security breach. We want to automate the alerting of problems in our environment. That's important, especially alerting when things start to become a problem. So at that initial phase, because then we can address them before they become a catastrophe. So we like to use tools to find correlation among data points. So then we can baseline and figure out what normal is. And then we can compare and contrast. We can create those automated workflows to alert us when something is off and not necessarily a hard down yet. We just get the uh, the awareness that something's not right and that's not something that we can really do by logging into devices one at a time and looking at one set of logs here, one set of event viewer logs here, a routing table here. That's that's very de- uh, tedious to do, very error prone. So it goes it goes right into troubleshooting and finding the root cause of problems. I mean, we want to fix a problem as fast as possible. Imagine having a hard down situation with an application or, or performance degradation to the extent where the application is unusable. Uh, in a, especially in financial services, every transaction can be significant money, especially if it's related to a security incident, which in my experience often manifests themselves in performance degradation, not always. So. You know, like I said, as an engineer, I remember logging into devices one at a time, servers, routers, firewalls, management systems, looking at logs, device statistics, all in hopes that I'd start to find clues and then start to piece something together. It takes a very long time. Now, over time, I'll admit engineers do get better at that. We get more logical in our approach and everything. We have some experience, things that we can look back at, but automation technologies eliminate most of that process altogether. In terms of minimizing downtime and accelerating recovery, that's the key here, those workflows, they're going to gather that information device by device and start to form some correlation for us. It happens computer to computer. That's far less error prone. It's much, much faster. So instead of an engineer hunting for information, automating that process means an engineer starts pretty much looking at the results already there and then they can make decisions about remediation. And that is a huge improvement to how we used to troubleshoot. So from the news
0: and the research that we've been looking at over the past few weeks and months, it seems like the vast majority of financial services institutions seem to have automation as part of their strategies when it comes to reducing IT risk, at least to a greater or lesser extent. And to be honest with the current level, complexity in most of these organizations it seems almost like a prerequisite for dealing with these challenges so just to finish things off thanks for coming on the podcast phil uh, we really appreciate it and i think it's been a really eye-opening discussion they've highlighted a lot of very underappreciated but also very important issues um in terms of the challenges fsis are facing so if your listeners want to learn more about riverbed uh, where would you send them?
1: To find out more about Riverbed, how we work with financial services organizations to provide high-end visibility solutions for their cloud migrations, security operations, and uh, their day-to-day operations, go visit riverbed.com forward slash solutions forward slash financial services.
0: Thanks for the time, Phil. It's been a wonderful conversation.
1: Great. Thanks so much for having me on, Will. You know, I've been in the trenches as an engineer for a lot of years, so this topic is near and dear to my heart. Thanks, Phil. And to our listeners, uh, see you next time. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech podcast.